Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Chief Keith Fleming. With me as always, Sam the Shooter Howe and Ravishing Ron L. Tinsley. What's going on, guys? What's going on, fellas? Uh, another beautiful fall day in upstate New York. You know, leaves are about to start changing and all that good jazz. Sammy? I am, uh, we had our yearly thunderstorm out here on Monday. Um, just enjoying spooky season, man. Getting a little spooky up in here. All right, don't ever do that again, Sam. Uh, before we <laughs> get... it's, uh, the arm gesture or the spooky thing? Uh, we'll, we'll go with both. You look like the wavy, uh, wacky, uh, inflated, but it's two guy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wait till the end of the show before Halloween where Bailey comes in and hits me with an axe. <laughs> The, uh, before we start this, I do want to real quickly remind everyone that the IB Sports Podcast Network is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. We would greatly appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, review, and share all the podcasts. And there's a lot of them up this week. We've got a new You Got a Minute fan pa- uh, podcast. Uh, the Backdoor Cover will be out, I believe, tonight, uh, where Alan will be covering the NFL spreads and best bets for week five of the NFL. Me and Joe Matt's uh, weekly daily fantasy football podcast will be up this week uh, and a whole lot more. So please be sure to like, again, subscribe, rate, review, and share. But uh, we're going to get right into it with off the top. And WWE had its draft on both SmackDown Friday and Raw. I don't know if they quite figured out how to do this. I'm still not sure how I feel about the, you know, only certain guys are available on Friday, other available on Monday. I know they're building suspense, and, and that was, uh, you know, I guess the thought. It was uh, interesting that there was reports that they were going to tease uh, Big E, you know, going to SmackDown and wait to have him drafted to Raw until Monday, but they did not do that. They went ahead and just drafted him. Uh He's going to Raw, though. They split up New Day again for a second year in a row as the other two guys are going to be on SmackDown, along with Drew McIntyre, a.k.a. Big D, uh, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Viking Raiders, Hit Row. Uh, Raw really um, – you get the feeling that USA uh, must have complained a lot in the last year. We've talked about how SmackDown was so loaded and Raw seemed um, – just weak and and compared to roster especially for a three-hour show which is a part that doesn't make a lot of sense and they heard that because we're all obviously the biggest name was becky lynch and bianca belair both moving to raw seth rollins is back gave a great promo where he was quoting slim shady on monday night the street profits uh and, you know, any undrafted talent are now free agents. We'll see what they do with this moving forward. I, I, I am curious because there's some names that are really out there. They said that they had the liberty to choose their shows. Um, overall, what, what, Ronald, what do you think just about the draft? I mean, I, I feel like that there is such an opportunity for WWE to, you know, they, they kind of want to be ESPN all the time, right? With some of the stuff that they do. And this is a chance to really do it, but they don't go all in on it. No, and they don't. And, you know, one of the things that 
that I love about AEW separating themselves from WWE is that, you know, they're always saying their wins and losses matter. And they're trying to uh, feel that a, a lot of what they do matters. If the, they want to make this draft matter, stop making it look so choppy. And like you said, either go all in on this draft and you guys are solely doing this. And I don't know, maybe go back to that wild card rule, but only, and, but be really specific about like your entitled to like maybe X number of appearances in the next season, like maybe to go settle a beat, you know, three to five appearances. That I just completely don't understand. Um, I am liking a lot of the moves. Um, I'm thinking that a lot, a couple of dudes like really got a boost. I'm really surprised that guys like, you know, Humberto Carrillo and Tony Garza with their new look and attitude uh, getting a push onto the Friday night show because, you know, I still feel that SmackDown is the A show. So, but there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm probably going to touch on later on. But Sam, what do you think about uh, just the format of this? I think that it is a microcosm of the problem that the WWE has as like a whole, which is that you have this very easy, simple to do thing and they can't just do it and do it well. Like a, a, a draft done well would be really interesting and it'd be really cool and like if you remember the early days where like the first one where the Dudley boys got broken up and the Hardy boys got broken up and like there was interesting concepts but they just make it so fucking complicated so needlessly and they're like oh like we're gonna do this and we're gonna you know we're gonna draft Big E and I'm glad they didn't do that because it's stupid and you know he's not gonna stay and then you do the the whole thing where like free agents can choose their shows well why would anybody want to get drafted like, why wouldn't you just want it? Like, the, it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It, it's, it, it reminds me of the old um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Where the points are, uh, points are made up and nothing matters. Like, it, it, who, and who cares about getting drafted? Like, there's no reason why you should care. Like, okay, who cares if you're on SmackDown rather than Raw? Why the worst part of it right now is that they're saying that these changes aren't going to start taking effect until after the Crown Jewel Tournament. And we're already seeing a lot of the superstars on both programs. It, it, it's, yes, that's, and that's the other thing, is that you have this, this, this mess where I get it. I get not wanting to do it before Crown Jewel. And you want to, you know, you don't want to move people until Crown Jewel, but you also don't want to do, you want to do the draft during sweeps. But fucking just like figure out be better with your planning like this feels sloppy to me and it, it just it goes back to the things that annoy me the most about the wwe on like a macro basis like this is easy stuff like they don't this is not stuff that you should be fucking up even if you wanted to be like to incentivize like hey you're like you can do something like hey we're gonna sign you to a new contract that you're smackdown exclusive or we're going to give you if you're the number one draft pick you get a 50 grand bonus like a k you know a kayfabe 50 grand bonus something to create stakes for draft picks my biggest takeaway honestly is just the easiest way to fix so many of the issues in wwe is to to do away with the brand split and they would have to do obviously a better job of making sure that they utilize people and it, it and it's not, you know, 15 to 20 people being used on every show. But I think you look at sort of what AEW has done and 
it just allows you to always have fresh matchups. It allows you to have stars every week, and it doesn't have to always be the same one. It have to be the same people opening or closing the show or having the main event match. And, I mean, it, the, the opening segment on Raw was everything. I mean, you know, you start with Becky, who's given this amazing promo. She's interrupted by Charlotte. And then Bianca comes out. And, I mean, if you could have that ability on a week-in, week-out basis, it's going to improve the show. And even if they want to continue to have multiple belts, I don't even have a problem with that. But you still have to allow, you know, your stars to be on either show because it just, it does. I think one of the biggest complaints that people have had, and rightfully so, is the repetitiveness of some of the matches and some of the feuds and, you know, the main events and such. And the only way they can fix that is by doing away with the brand split. And I stand by that. That's something they've got to do to really make WWE great again. I completely disagree. And partially because for the first time since they split the brands, the belts are of equal standing. Like I would not say that you don't have to get do away with the belts. I know, but you have equal time. I also, the WWE has never shown the ability to book the two, to, to book. I don't think that if you t- do away with the brand split, because they've done away with the brand split previously, and you still had Dolph Ziggler wrestling Kofi Kingston every fucking week for like a year. In fairness, the, the, the roster was not nearly as stacked as it is now. It was at the time, actually. I mean, it, no, it wasn't. I, the ladies was not, so there's no way it was. You can't say that it was. The women's division was nothing compared to what it is now. So that's not the, true. The the larger issue at hand is that the problem is not that the is not the depth of the roster. It's the lack. It's the laziness of the creativity, and that it's a lot easier just to do endless rematches and not plan long term and just be like well we'll run it back with drew versus lashley and we'll run it back with drew versus lashley and we'll do this endless feud where it's 50 50 and nothing matters that's easy it's lazy and it's easy and i just don't think that ending the brand split is going to improve anything i think if anything it's just going to have people get lost in the shuffle i don't i you have way more faith in wwe creative than i in this situation I mean, Sam, right now there is, there's 36 people on SmackDown. How the hell are you going to for a year when that's not 36 men or 36 women, that's 36 total stars on SmackDown. How are you not going to have repetitive matches with 36 stars? The, there's a difference between the, between having guys feud and then having matches that are interminable. Because you have 52 shows and 12 pay-per-views. I'm just saying there's, there's, there's not enough. There's it's, a it's, lot of combinations you can make. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it just it's going to get repetitive. Uh, moving on to the second off-the-top subject. Tony Khan, who probably should spend some more time worrying about the Jaguars and not AEW, but he followed up last week's news about his taking over creative control as it is not being a slight to the EVPs, he said he's had full control of all AEW programming since the end of 2019, that none of the executive roles have been changed. He also spoke with PW Insider that he planned to make a huge announcement on tonight's episode of Dynamite. If it was the women's secondary title, I don't know if I'd call that a huge announcement, but uh, whatever. But uh, Hater. I, I'm not a hater. I'm just not a mark. 
Uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if you can say that there's no I just I don't believe that he's been in control since 2019. I just don't because I mean we've talked about there has been a definite uh improvement in the show in the last I'd say year or so. Uh, particularly with the feuds at the top. I think some of the booking decisions, we saw that again tonight. Uh, but I just, I am glad to see that they got the guys out of the EVP roles because to be honest, they're some of the biggest stars in the company. And that really is, I mean, a lot to bear to both have to sort of book the show uh, and then also be a top performer so regardless of whether Tony has really been in control since 2019, I mean, he does have other people correct SEVPs. They're just not the inner circle. Yeah. And, you know, there's guys like uh, QT Marshall, who is apparently one of his biggest lap dogs. And I just have a hard time believing that fully as well, especially considering how ticked off he uh, was about uh, – the dude from the acclaim from back over the summer like if you've been in full control then that would have never made it on the air to begin with so like i'm not completely certain um when it comes to the tbs title i actually am kind of a mark for that um their women's division i think is doing quite well um they're going to be building a lot of stars and honestly this is probably the decision that i think wwe should have made uh, instead of women's tag titles, is doing a women's mid-card title, especially considering the amount of talent that they have on the WWE side. Uh, with all the talent that they're building on the uh, AEW side, it does make a lot of sense. And if it is going to be specific to uh, both the TNT and TBS titles, it makes me think that they will indeed be moving to two hours eventually on Friday nights uh, just for a little more content. And that, that's where uh, each title will be uh, will have to be being defended outside of pay-per-views. So um, my view is, is that I absolutely see Tony Khan having, I could believe that he took over late in 2019 uh, and that he's just gotten better running the show. Uh, the EVP thing, I've always been a little skeptical that that's meant anything other than they had like a piece of the company. I always assumed, you know, that, that, Maybe uh, one of the Bucks helped with merchandise because they had experience getting their stuff into Hot Topic. I figured that maybe Cody helped with branding stuff. I always assumed that those were largely, you know, ways of showing their importance in the foundation of the company. Um, I think that, Ronaldo, your point about how the acclaimed had that promo, I think that he's just more that there is not the same level and that that is by design I'm not being critical here, but that there is a much more, a, a much less scripted and controlled environment in AEW than there is in WWE. I also think that the, the, so the TBS, the reason why uh, that title, I think saying that it's a huge announcement. And one of the things that, you know, AEW honestly deserves credit for was that, they were criticized justifiably for under, you know, for soft peddling the women's division. They responded to that criticism, not in a showy way. They weren't like, we're going to, we hear you, we're going to do it. And we're going to have a women's revolution. And in a really self-aggrandizing way, they did it. They've addressed it. 
they've done a good job with it. And I think that by saying it's a huge announcement, I think that that's just so saying a huge announcement for a secondary title is not grandstanding. I mean, that's, I, I think that's just promotional stuff. That's just, it's, it's saying anything else. I mean, what, what should he have said? I have an announcement. I'm just saying you're mocking WWE for saying they're going to have a revolution. I mean, in their defense after that, they did. I mean, the women have main evented pay-per-views. They've main evented Raw. They've main evented SmackDown. They've had matches that have never had before. So I'm just saying, again, I agree with your point. I'm just saying, why take a dig at WWE when they did do that? They, they, they're doing the same thing. Because there's a difference to me between, notice that I didn't say, you remember when they changed the Divas title over to the women's title? Do you remember this? Of course, yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought that that was great. I wouldn't call that self-aggrandizing. I think that's acknowledgement. It's when it's sort of the, the like, we hear you and we're going to do something about it. Like, just do it. Like, I find that, and it, there's, I mean, there's a much longer conversation to be had here, but that's, you know, that's sort of why I took the shot was that like, it's one thing to change a title and do that, which I think is justifiable. It's another thing to be like, we're going to have a women's revolution. It's like, just fucking do it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. But they did. I mean, they did have a revolution. They did. Uh, they did indeed thank you. Uh, and just FYI, the, the big problem with this, and I'm very happy to have a secondary title. Well, actually, two things. One, I, I don't think WWE can have a secondary women's title because, again, the problem is they have two world titles right now. Uh, they do need to build the tag team division. I don't know why they're splitting up tag teams and not making more tag teams rather than making less because you have a tag titles that you should use. But I do have a problem with the AEW TBS title looking remarkably better than that crappy women's title they have that looks like something that a child would have. I mean, I'm hoping this means that we get a bigger women's world title because uh, that belt looks like a world championship. I just, the, the, the woman's title is one of the worst titles uh, in wrestling. And again, it's the size. I don't hate the design of the belt. It's just so tiny. Larger. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why it's so small. 80s women title. Uh, the last thing for off the top, and uh, this has been something that's been discussed in the group. And I think it's, uh, you know, definitely got a lot of comments and reactions. It's, the, the latest is obviously with uh, Dana Brooke. Uh, Corey Graves made some comments during the match on air, uh, and she responded to them, and her response was taking it as a shoot, or at least it seems that way. I'm assuming this is all kayfabe, but it becomes into a, a, a bigger issue or a bigger discussion with wrestling fans, and I think – and granted, this is wrestling in general doing this as they have blurred the line. This is, you know, what, what do we call the early 2010s, the reality era yeah. where, you know, we've kind of blurred that line between kayfabe and a shoot. But people need to, you know, draw a line. I just, again, to sort of Sam's point earlier, WWE controls almost everything that is said uh, on their air, maybe with the exception of some guys like John Cena, I assume Paul Heyman. Yes, some people have some leeway but overall everything is said uh with the okay or you know wwe saying to say this so it was just interesting to see Corey graves say that and then for her to react which again i think this is all part of the show but 
to have people outraged or just treating uh, the response, both the comment and the response as a shoot, do you think that we've almost like what needs to happen to change that? Because a lot of fans are just taking stuff, uh, you know, too literal. I honestly don't know, but like, I'm really thankful that like we've been having these discussions and that and really thankful for the guys in the podcast group that we're not really a bunch of overreactionaries and that we can kind of like bounce things off of each other without sounding too crazy. But I, I really don't know what it is that we can do. I mean, we have to always take into account that this is, you know, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, and that we have to somewhat suspend reality to to watch this and realize that in this new era that they'll do anything that they can to get any additional clicks, likes, and views outside of their normal programming. So I don't know. I mean, have fun with, with, you know, commenting, but, you know, geez, guys, like think about it before you press send. I'm, I'm with you. I think one thing, Rana, we talked a little bit about this is that we kind of need to be okay with getting worked. I think there's this, idea that if you buy into a storyline that you're stupid and like it's okay to get invested like that's the whole point of this like listen i know that only murders in the building which is a show i've been obsessed with lately is not real i know it's not a documentary it does not mean that i don't care and don't enjoy it and not you know ted lasso is the same way i am emotionally invested in that show it's just because it's pro wrestling doesn't mean you should be embarrassed about that so like yeah i've been got before um, my response to that was that, like, even if it is kayfabe, the fuck does that help Dana Brooke? Like, she sucks. She's never done anything. Like, boo, she should be fired. Like, congrats. You just insulted your own talent on air. Like, how does that help her? Like, so if she beats somebody, they got beaten by trash. And if she loses, well, who gives a shit? Because she sucks anyway. They're building an underdog story. I mean, they're recycling the Lana story from last year, just in a different manner. She's just not going through tables. This is the Daniel Bryan story. The, 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 the Daniel Bryan <laughs> story wasn't what they wanted to tell, man. Don't they get got... worked. Come on, don't get worked, Sam. You just talked about it. Don't get worked. That wasn't the plan for WrestleMania until Punk quit. Supposedly. These are all reports. Do you know that? Do I know that? No. I'm just saying you just were talking about not to get work. We don't know. So so you're thinking that Punk lied that that was what the WrestleMania plan was. I'm saying that CM Punk has been known to say stuff that is definitely not true. So, I mean, again, I'm not, we're not going to get into I'm just saying that they're building a story. You just were making a point. And then you contradicted yourself. That's my point. I mean, so the it can also be a shitty story, and they can tell it poorly. And I, I, I could be wrong about this. They could, this could absolutely do something great for Dana Brooke. And if that's the case, I'll admit that I'm wrong. But I think that these, I mean, excluding Daniel Bryan, what happened with Lana's storyline where she got powerbombed through the table eight thousand times? I think Lana was being punished. Okay, so. Totally. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but you said they're building a, a, a underdog story. They Correct. do this a lot. You're not wrong that they do these these gimmicks where they somebody goes on a losing streak, and the problem is they never really recover because eventually the fans just realize that person's a joke. You show this is a show versus tell thing, 
And what they're showing is that Dana's not, you know, Dana sucks. Dana should be fired. Why should you get behind Dana? All right, moving on to superlatives. Russell on the rise. Uh, I've got Sammy Guerra for winning the TV title. Uh, not my personal choice for the next TV champ, but um, he did have a banger of a match. Unbelievable move uh, to, to end it. And he's got a world of talent. Uh, they've got to figure out how to, well, I guess he's got to figure out how to be a little bit better on the mic. Uh, but there, there's no denying the guy has unbelievable talent. And uh, also I want to give, uh, I almost said Rusev, Miro a lot of credit uh, for his title run. I like the way that they took the title off of him where I felt like they still made him strong. And, uh, you know, this is what you should do with the, you know, with the title is you let a guy have a great run. And he builds up just like what we were talking about with WWE with their last couple of WWE champions, where they built up a guy to build up another guy to build up another guy. They're doing a good job with the TV title as well, uh, which I know has a special meaning to them with obviously that being the title associated with Brody Lee. But uh, good for Sammy Guerra. He's my wrestler on the rise. Nice. Um, I'm going to actually continue on the rest of what uh, we were just discussing because my wrestler on the rise is Dewdrop. I think they're going to use this entire Dana Brooke and Shayna Baszler situation to not only elevate Dewdrop, who I think may wind up getting a win over Shayna Baszler, they may do this to actually try to uh, give Dana Brooke a little bit of a push, which I may not agree with because I want Shayna to go back to that stone cold killer as she was, and this would completely stop it before it starts, but Right now, it looks like they're going to at least put Dewdrop in a program with Shayna Baszler. Whether or not she actually goes over is yet to be seen. But, you know, she's done well for herself in her appearances uh, with continuing to squash Eva Marie and just making the best out of her appearances. So Dewdrop's got my wrestling on the rise this week. Sammy, how about you? Uh, just to piggyback on that, I actually think Dana would be good as a heater for Eva Marie replacing Dewdrop because I, I think that Dana's underrated, but that Ohio accent, man, as somebody who's family from Ohio, it's a thick accent. Uh, my wrestler on the rise is Braun Steiner. Uh, I refuse to call him by that stupid name that uh, the WWE gave him. Uh, he continues to impress. I think, you know, I think we were all trepidatious about NXT 2.0, and I think that he's been, for me, the brightest spot of it, and exactly the kind of thing that if NXT was going to go back to what they were exactly what I wanted. And I kind of hope that he beats Ciampa and I kind of think he will, but that's my hope is that because dude just has it. Like I just, I like him a lot and I, I was not expecting to, but I'm just like doing the Birdman hand rub. Cause he like, I, he's one of those guys where like, it'd be fun to see him wrestle somebody like Walter uh, I, I'm just a fan. I, and I think that yeah. getting the title match, he's made the most of his opportunity, definitely come through. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he does not end up winning the title. I mean, I think that's why you put it on Ciampa was to build up a new person and to legitimize him. Um, wrestler on the slide, I, I hate doing this because she's my girl, but Io Shirai, I, I don't know what they're doing with her. I, I thought for sure she was going to be called up. I mean, I, I was certain when she was not named on Friday, that she would be called up on Monday. And I'd already thought, okay, you know, she's going to feed with, you know, Bianca, Charlotte. Like, I can't wait 
to see these single matches, Becky, I mean, anybody, give me her versus Naomi. I mean, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I think she was the best women's pure wrestler in the world last year. And they just seem to have no direction for her right now. And maybe she'll be one of these free agents. Maybe they're going to give her another run in NXT, but right now she just sort of seems adrift and that's really a shame. Man, that, when you said her and Naomi, man, her and Naomi were freaking slap, and that's just like one of the least of the uh, matches that, you know, I would be looking forward to. And it is a darn shame, especially considering, you know, they drafted Shia Lee, but why not Io Shirai? Makes no sense at all. Um, my wrestler on the slide is I was going to say the WWE women's tag team division, but I'm going to say actually both tag team divisions. I mean, like you were mentioning earlier, we split up two different uh, sets of tag teams, neither of which makes sense. You're splitting up the former women's tag team champions and the former number one uh, contender to the women's uh, tag titles. And so that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, on the men's side, you broke up Mason T-Bar. You break up Beer and Shanky and only keep one of them with um, the modern-day Maharaja. So I just don't know. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, there's a decent amount of tag teams as you look over the rosters for both sides. But it's like, uh, especially for the women's side, like, their tag division is so lacking. So I don't understand why they did that. So that's why they got that nod this week. Real quickly before we get to Sam's, one thing we did not mention, there was reports that they were real close to breaking up the street profits. Uh, I, I think I'm on the record over a year ago saying that Montez Ford to me is just future world champion. Like the dude is an absolute stud. He proved that in his match against Roman Reigns the other night, and the promo, which was, I think, even more impressive. We know he can go in the ring. Did they make the right decision there, keeping them together and waiting? I don't know, because, you know, I almost put the Street Profits in the wrestler on the slide, even though they were uh, a part of the winning team on Friday night, because it just, I, I don't know if that's the right decision, you know, uh, especially after seeing Tez versus Roman. I mean, you give Tez a year on his own, I mean, I think he'll be ready to, be vaulted right up into that title picture as well. Sorry, Sam, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that saving it, I mean, you need somebody to hold the tag division down if you're going to, I mean, if you're going to keep it around. Uh, mine was Finn Balor. Uh, he slipped on a banana peel against Roman. Uh, we were all worried that they were going to, he was going to get lost in the shuffle. Sure enough he's getting drafted to raw where I have a feeling he'll get lost in the shuffle because unless they want to turn him heel finally, which would be interesting. You know, he's, he's been in the company for six years now and has never really been a heel. And, but you know, other than that, it's just, it's disappointing. I think that he's a guy who they, you know, got a huge pop. It was really interesting when he, you know, beat Seth Rollins and they've never given him another opportunity. It's just a real bummer to me. Um, yeah, it's, it seems not fair to punish somebody for an injury. I mean, that, that's basically what it was, was they, uh, they know the what injury. he is to. Do that's the other thing. It's on injury. It's not like, right, yeah. you know, like, I, and I know everyone's going to say, well, Batista was big, but like, Batista got hurt all the time, if you remember when he was, you know, and, and 
I just it's a bummer. And I, I know that Finn is not always, you know, it's not RC's favorite wrestler, but like, I don't know, like give him a fucking shot. Like he's clearly over with the crowd. I want to see him as a heel too, just because from what I've heard, he's he's really good. Uh and I haven't really seen that. So I would definitely be down for that. Uh, I'd even love him and AJ Styles, you know, forming a faction now that they're both on Raw. Um, the face of the week. Um, again, I want to give kudos to AEW for uh, a women's title that looks good and for obviously giving another opportunity. Uh, but it's Bianca Belair. Um, I know that a lot of people were worried uh, when she lost at SummerSlam. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any worries anymore. She is uh, still being built as a top star. I mean, just this week, she closed SmackDown. She opened Raw. She closed Raw. Uh, and they made it a big deal when she got drafted, uh, you know, over to Raw Changing Brands. I uh, Bianca's a star. They know that. They know what they have in her. And uh, big things are ahead for her. Yeah, and it looks like you were also right in the fact that it looks like they're going to save that, uh, getting that win back over Becky, and they're going to shelve that for a much later time, which isn't a bad idea. I mean, right now you do got a pretty loaded women's division. Sammy, who's your face of the week? I uh, went with the Dark Order. I thought that it was being in Brody's hometown. I'm a sucker for heartwarming stuff in the world of wrestling. I think that wrestling is often, I told a friend recently, you know, I'm trying to get into wrestling. I, I told her, I said, wrestling is very often stupid and depressing and frustrating, but when it's good, it's great. And these kinds of moments that, you know, remind you why we watch not to be overly, you know, the, the, you know, the Keith was talking about Bianca being a star is another one of those like, Oh man, like these people that you care about, like remembering that they're human beings. And it was just nice to have that moment to remember somebody who we lost way, way too soon. Yeah, uh, I'm going to double down on the love fest for the Dark Order. Um, both outside the ring and in, uh, they delivered on Brody Lee's night. And it was great to see uh, Anna Jay and Negative One and the widow of Brody Lee basically tell the band get this together because this is how it's got to be done and like like you i'm a sucker for when you do it right it's absolutely excellent i mean so i also not to spoil but the you know with hangman coming back i thought that it was a great time to use some real life stuff to juice the storytelling which Again, I, I know that I'm a hypocrite because I was just, you know, sort of getting at the WWE, but I think that when you do it right, and the WWE's done it right, I still go back to, like, they, they've done, that's why the Daniel Bryan thing was so great. Um, it's why, you know, the Firefly Funhouse was such a great match, that, that sort of thing, so. Moving on to Hill of the Week, it's Adam Cole, baby. Uh, I got to admit that I was really worried um, for him coming to AEW because I felt like that, I don't know this is probably going to sound blasphemous to people, but I felt like that WWE at least knew what they had in him in NXT and he was always going to be the top star. And I do feel like eventually he was going to get called up to the main roster. Um, and I just worried in AEW he'd kind of get lost on the shuffle, especially 
with them joining, you know, the elite, it just, you know, with already having Omega and just with the young bucks taking up. So I didn't want him to be the fourth banana. Basically they made him a really big deal. Uh, the match with him and jungle boy was excellent. Uh, I love how, you know, that was a great finish. And the fact that, you know, he had to cheat to win, but it wasn't as we've all bitched about, you know, with Omega matches, 50 guys running in, it was just, Hey, I'm going to give you a low blow. Uh, but Adam Cole, I think is going to be an AEW world champion in the next year. And I think that, you know, we talked about how they need heels because right now they are loaded on the face side and really after Omega, because it looks like they're definitely going to hold off on MJF having a world title run for a while. Uh, you know, who's going to be that next heel champion to build up the next face. I think it's going to be Adam Cole. So he's my uh, heel of the week. You know, I also want to big up uh, AEW because once again, this week, they came out in the opening segment and delivered the big match, you know, with the elite versus uh, Brian, uh, Brian Danielson and crew. And those guys put on a really great match. And Adam Cole, uh, once again, was a very, very big focal piece. I know a lot of people hate that uh, kiss that the Young Bucks do with Adam Cole or whatever. But, man, I think that's just, it's great healing. Um, my heel of the week, I'm actually starting to turn around on Becky Lynch. Uh, number one, I was wrong on the hair thing because she came back with a, a nice flowing curls. But I'm kind of liking that she's playing that, uh, that, schoolyard bully where she kind of slaps you and was like hey she told me to slap you and like how she had started things between Sasha Bianca Charlotte and managed to keep her hands relatively clean this past week without having to get in the ring except on her own terms so I'm actually turning around on this Becky Lynch heel turn um my heel of the week is who I think is the bar none best women's wrestler in the world in every facet uh i would get a cup for this high praise she is the brian danielson of the women's division uh in any company charlotte flair charlotte's weakness at one point was her promos that's not her weakness anymore she controls the crowd she is a thoroughbred athlete no one there there's there might be people who are as good as her there's no one in professional wrestling women's professional wrestling who is better than her and arguably i would put her up there with anybody man or male or female i thought that her you know that that she there are certain people who you get a great fit we're just edge and cena hogan savage uh those kinds of people where you have just face, you know, the, the Batman and the Joker. And I think Charlotte and Bianca could be that, you know, we all talked about Becky and Bianca, but is there really, I mean, if you think about it, the kind of entitled Southern white princess, you know, second generation daughter of the greatest wrestler of all time uh, in his own mind behind Shawn Michaels. <laughs> so I had to take a little shot of play. Uh, but you know, arguably, and and against you know Bianca, I just think that it's a great, you know, it's a great feud. And, and I thought that just that promo that Charlotte cut, and we'll get to that, uh, was was great. I thought, and I thought that she was my heel of the week. I I would say that, I mean, again, I I'm just giving her all the flowers right now. The uh, 
I mean, don't sleep on Charlotte Becky. They've they've had a pretty uh, intense rivalry so far as well. I think every match they've had has been a banger. I love seeing that interaction between them on Monday. Uh, I know what you're saying, but, I mean, really, you, you kind of got, you know, the charismatic star and the, and the superstar. Uh, I, would, I, I mentioned this to you in a phone call. I would love to get, now that I think, you know, if, ba- if Bailey comes back as a heel, we can get the four horsewomen. Unfortunately, they're saying Sasha's going to turn face. Is what is what the rumor is. So I, I'm I'm with you. I would love it, but unfortunately, yeah. seeing that report, it doesn't seem like they're moving towards that. But man, it'd be awesome. Uh, match of the week. I talked about it. Adam Culver's Jungle Boy. Just um, Jungle Boy is probably in ring wise my favorite young superstar in AEW. Uh and that and that's saying something because Darby's obviously incredible. MJF's a great in the ring. I mean they they're they've got some really talented young guys, but um to see him fight Adam Cole uh, was an awesome moment. I just can't get over how much the crowd loves Jungle Boy. And I know some people say, well it's the entrance song and it's you know it's just something. Like I mean some guys just have it. He's one of those guys. People just love him, much like what we're seeing with Hangman. Uh, and that's a great thing to have for AEW. And uh, it was a great match. It was a really great match. And I, you're right. He just has that it thing. Um, Sam, I'm going to go on with the Charlotte love test and uh, give it to Charlotte versus Bianca for Monday night. Um, I know it ended in a no contest, but this is one of those where uh, I know how you had spoken about a previous Johnny Gargano feud where they kept upping it and upping it. And this was a great opening salvo where they didn't do too much, but both of those women are so extremely talented and athletic that they still delivered a nice 15 minute uh, fantastic match. So Charlotte and Bianca, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it in the future. Oh no, that's right. They're also split up. (laughs) Um, my match of the week, largely going to admit I forgot about the Jungle Boy Adam Cole match uh, because, you know, not to let you guys in on the, how the sausage is made, but I didn't also want to pick uh, Charlotte and Bianca is that I went with uh, the uh, personal champion of my heart, uh, the American <laughs> Dragon Brian Anderson <laughs> against uh, Nick Jackson. Uh, I thought that was five rusty chainsaws anywhere in America. <laughs> Your ass. Uh, no, I'm, I'm busted balls. I, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just gonna come up with a new like a new crazy rating thing every week. That's our new running gag. Um, I thought it was. I just enjoyed the shit out of it. I thought that it was a nice little match, and I thought that it told a great story. But I did want to go. I kind of wish I'd gone with Cole and Jungle Boy just because I love good healing, and that kick to the dick was Chef's kiss on how you heal on somebody. Uh, promo of the week. I want to apologize. We recorded the podcast on Wednesday, uh, and I had actually been doing the fantasy podcast. I did not get to watch Dynamite Live, and you know, I have MJF as a wrestler on the slide. And then he went out and gave one of the best promos I've seen in a long time, where he pretty much talked about all the things that I complained about that he's the best wrestler in the company, he should be the world champion. Uh, you know, what is going on? There's the four pillars of, you know, the AEW youth movement. I beat all of them and they set up a him and Darby feud. So uh, 
yeah, I was wrong about the rust on the slide. That was an incredible promo. I could listen to MJF talk about anything. Uh, MJF is my promo of the week. Yeah, that was a really that was really great stuff. Um, another lesson in peak healing to me goes to Friday night and Seth Rollins doing an MTV Cribs FBO couch to Edge. Oh my God, I didn't think it, it's been a while. Seth is underrated at this point. Like I think people underrate just how great he's become all around. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he absolutely delivered just being alone, quote unquote, in the house in the way that, you know, Edge had to run backstage and make sure that Beth and the girls weren't home. Beth has to have something to do with their next match, right? Like Beth has to get involved. Like it would be great for her to help Edge get the win. It would be beautiful. Um, I, uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, with you guys, I actually Ron's the guy where his social media stuff has overshadowed. I think that's why he, the people of I know that is like one of those things where I just like his attitude, where like he was talking to like I don't like Will Osprey, and I thought that his whole like interaction, I was like, oh, like just God, I don't want to see you for a while. But you're right, he is completely underrated. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line. He's amazing, and he's been amazing since he was Tyler Black. My promo of the week was, uh, again, was that opening promo parade on Raw with uh, Charlotte, Sasha, and Bianca. Um, As I said, Charlotte was somebody who used to get staggered by the crowd, and now she just owns the crowd. I mean, she, you know, hey, let me talk to, you know, I know you're you're happy. I want to talk to my friend. It's like, she's so good at this at this point. It's just entertaining as shit to watch somebody get improved. All right, so we've only got time for one storyline you need to pay attention to, and I meant to bring this up off the top, so I'm going to ask you guys now, what are they going to do with the women's titles? Because we have the SmackDown champion on Raw and the Raw champion on SmackDown, and with the women's titles, they're literally different colors. Okay. What are they going to do? They're going to swap belts? They're going to... Yeah. Okay. So is that... They've is, done that before, haven't they? I didn't... I couldn't remember. Because I thought that it was a deal where they got drafted, like where that they had the belts, but then they ended up drafting them to different companies. I just don't ever remember, especially with, again, the belts are literally red and blue. So it's not like you can confuse which one's which, where like the WWE and the Universal. Uh, I'm just really curious to see if they're going to even mention that, hey, the belts changed. Is it a title change too? Because they're keeping them, right? Like they've kept up with how many they've won a brawl, SmackDown. Uh, they well, they certainly did for the new day, and that's another little small problem with the whole draft thing. Is champions shouldn't be on the draft block. That's a good point. I like that. Uh, Sam, you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just the podcast network, like we always do. Rano, um, the IB Sports Facebook and Instagram. Uh, pages um ib sports ib entertainment facebook groups uh five dollar patreon for the all-star package um i don't want to have to admit this but if hangman page goes on to beat kenny omega which it's now looking a lot like it i'm gonna have to come on the podcast and do the adam sandler from happy gilmore you know you were right i was wrong you're attractive i'm not good looking 
uh, you're smart. I'm stupid to Sam Howe, which really pains me. Uh, it was a good call. Uh, I hope they pull the trigger. I hope this is not a tease because, uh, boy, you think Sam's going to be mad when Goldberg goes over Lashley in Saudi Arabia. I'll and Hangman, be more pissed. Oh, I'll be more pissed. Are you talking about it with Hangman loses again? Yeah. Okay, I am too. I'm used to the WWE fucking stuff. <laughs> Please. So I'm worried I, about that because I think it's coming. <laughs> they, uh, I really uh, hope that that's what they're doing. And it does look like it do. So that was a good call. because I, I really did. I was worried that, you know, he was going to go back to the back of the line. Um, but again, just again, the podcast, the Facebook group, be sure to follow uh, just Ivy Sports, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you're not in the Team Turnbuckle group on Facebook, please let us know. We'll be sure to send you an invite. And again, follow us on Twitter. But for the six-man tag champs of the world, I'm Chief Keith Fleming. We got the ravishing Ron L. Tinsley and Sam the Shooter Howell. And this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast on the Ivy Sports Podcast Network. <laughs>